we are talking about uh, a man named Jesus, all right, and uh, the significance of his life and how he lived and uh, what he said whenever he was alive. And, uh, and of course, for us, we believe that he still is alive, but we're going to be kind of getting into the subject of Jesus this month. Uh, what do you believe? It's been a, a series that we started in February, and we're going to actually continue this on through May, just in different kind of uh, uh, installments. The first month, it was about God. What do you believe about God? Does he exist? If he does, what is he like? Right? All of these big questions that uh, not not only do Christians ask, but so do non-Christians, you know? Uh, and sometimes we have a quick hitting response to things like I just, I faith it, you know, I just faith it. And we, we have some things that maybe we, we plug in to sort of make us feel like we're good. But sometimes in the back of our mind, there's these hard questions that we need to ask. And here at Northwood Church, we want to actually just go after those we want to talk about them and uh, not just leave it behind a curtain, but like, man, come on, these are significant issues that we need to talk through. And so that's really what we're doing through this series, talking about what we believe. And, um, and so in this, this month is what do you believe about Jesus? Now, before we get into the meat of the message today, um, I want to talk about two things. Number one is this. Every month we do a class here at Northwood Church called Next Steps Class. And it's on the third week of every month, third, third Sunday of every month. It's about a 45 minute class following each service. And it's a, it's a class where we answer three questions. Number one, what are we doing? You know, or who we are. Number two, what are we doing? And number three, how you could be a part. That's what we want to talk through with you. If it's your first time here, or maybe you've been here kind of kicking the tires for a few months, and uh, you're looking forward to taking your next step here at the church, or at least kind of finding out more about the church, I want to invite you out to that. Again, following each service next Sunday, uh, I'll be teaching it in our Next Steps classroom right around the corner, right out these doors to the left. And uh, so, so meet me there, make plans to be there. Um, if you have young uh, kids, Look, they can remain in the kids' ministry during that time, so no need to worry about setting up any other child care or whatnot. We got that handled. But, uh, but really come out, and, and, and I'd love to meet you and get to know you. Uh, the second thing is this. This year, we are starting our fourth location in this, the great city of Ocean Springs. Come on, y'all. We're excited about it. Looking forward to it. Got some pictures behind me of our launch team. They're beginning to gear up and meet each week to uh, sort of lay out what it's going to be like there in the Civic Center. Uh, man, we're just blessed and excited about the opportunity to be in the Civic Center there in Ocean Springs. Um, we're going to be uh, sort of like a mobile campus, which means kind of a setup and tear down each week for service whenever we uh, whenever we need to. And um, it's so we're, we're really excited about it. But there's some things that I want to bring up to all of us here today, and it's this: number one. As a church, whenever one of us does something, we all do it, all right? So it's not like, you know, well, there's just this group of people that are kind of going off and doing their own thing. No, we as Northwood Church are coming together. We are together, and we are going together. So, so with that, this is a family conversation, all right? So, so what I want to talk about is if you, if you call Northwood Church your home church, right? This is where I go to church. If somebody asks you, hey, where do you go to church at? You say Northwood Church. This is for you. I want to talk to you about Ocean Springs and what it looks like moving forward. Um, Pastor Stephen 
and Amy, which Amy's not here today, I almost pointed to Jessica. That is Jessica, not Amy. <laughs> Blonde hair kind of looked, you know, okay. Anyway, uh, Pastor Stephen and, uh, and Amy DeFazio are going to be the, uh, they are the Ocean Springs campus pastors. And uh, one thing that we've been saying is this, is Ocean Springs is, is really already started. That church it's already started, okay? Uh, it's not like one day whenever we start services that then that church has now begun. Uh, man, look, anytime that people gather together in the name of Jesus, right? Come on, we are the church. And so the church has already begun. And uh, so our small groups are meeting each week, which is super exciting. But let me tell you what it takes to start a location like this. It, it, takes, it takes people, human beings, all right? Kind of important, all right? It takes someone leading that, that, that group of, of, of people. It takes effort and time and energy, and it also takes money. It takes money. Uh, I believe that Jesus makes the world go round, but I believe that that money also uh, keeps the lights on, okay? (laughs) You know? And so so with that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like to to sort of start this location. Some of you, you actually live in that area or you live close to Ocean Springs, and maybe you're just now kind of hearing about it, and you would like to be a part. Um, you know, right there, you can see northwood.church slash Ocean Springs. We'd love for you to continue, you know, still be a part of that and st- still be a part of this launch. And so you can go there and find out some more information about, you know, uh, different things and, and kind of get in contact with Pastor Stephen. Maybe you know somebody in the area that, that lives there. Man, send them this website. Let them kind of get a, get a feel of what's going on and also maybe sign up to kind of get, get some more information. But, uh, but also in regards to financially, as we begin to prepare financially, it's gonna take about 250 to $300,000 to really start this location. Uh, we are, uh, we're installing a sound system there, um, both you know, for, for a couple of different reasons, but it also helps us to, in our setup process each week, um, there isn't currently one there. And so, so we're doing some things like that. We're, there's also a lot of things to buy. Come on, how many of you love this, the safety for your kids each week when you come to church that you know that your kids are well cared for and all that good stuff? Come on, it takes some, some money to be able to buy all of the things to, to make that happen. And uh, also as a, as a mobile location, we have to be able to pack things away if need be in order to, to store them off site. And so all of those things, come on, y'all, all of that takes money. How about signage, right? Come on, you know, uh, thing like we love our coffee here at, at church, right? Well, we got to put coffee in something, you know, just everything costs money. And so, uh, so as a church, we give every single week, all of you, or most of you do, some of you, um, you're not yet giving, and so that's fine. But we believe that giving is an act of worship. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. And whenever we talk about money in the church, there's some people that kind of get a little bit antsy because a lot of people have misused things. Um, not here at Northwood Church, never happened. We've never had a scandal or some sort of like, I don't know where that hundred grand went. You know, no, 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 no. Uh, we've been faithful. We've been good stewards of what God has given us. And that's how we truly look at it. And so with that, as we begin to move forward, we want to begin to plan well and look forward to that. So, so everything that I'm about to talk about is, is really above and beyond what your normal giving looks like, okay? Some of you, you tithe. You, you, you place 10% as sort of the benchmark, as the model for you and what you give. And I think it's a great model to follow. But also in that, uh, you know, th- there's offerings. There's above and beyond your normal giving. This is what I'm talking about. To, to start and, 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 you know, launch Ocean Springs, it's gonna take a little bit more, 
Come on, the people that are gearing up for Notion Springs right now, it takes a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, right? It's gonna take a little bit more money as well. And so this is what we're gearing up for is March 29th. We're gonna have um, kind of a special focus on giving to the Ocean Springs location. And this is what I wanna ask you to do. Number one, I want you as a church to pray. I want you to pray over Ocean Springs over the people that are on the launch team. Um, As a church, we need to pray. Let us not fall into the trap of thinking that we can just make a bunch of plans and just, oh, we're gonna go do something and uh, like we're not in a war, (laughs) okay? We're in a war and we want, to, we want God to go before us and prepare the way for, uh, for what's happening. So pray, but also I want you to pray about what you're to give. For some of you, it might be 50 bucks. For some of you, it might be 5,000. I have no idea where you're coming from, but there's a spectrum and God will lay it on your heart. You might wanna sell something. It just depends, I don't know. But just ask God. I'm not gonna tell you how much to give because I have no idea, all right? God's building his church, but it does take finances. And so I, I believe that, that he has led us to do this. This is not just a, a fun thing to do, all right? This is the call of God upon our lives to, to uh, continue to start more local communities where people can, can know God. But, but I want you to prepare, to prepare to give. And then come March 29th, I want you to give. Let's give, let's be, let's, let's go above and beyond. Come on, y'all, in order to do great things, we've got to make some sacrifices. Come on, in order to, in any, man, look, your kids, they're wonderful, right? You love your kids, but how much sacrifice does it take to have your kids and to raise your kids? But isn't it worth it? It's worth it. At the end of our lives, we're going to look back. And I truly believe that we're going to look back and say, man, what do we do that was eternal? Not what did I do for, you know, not my career or this or that, all those things are good, but you know what I'm talking about, the depth of your things. And when I stand before God, I I wanna stand there and say, Lord, I did the best that I could with what I had, the best that I could. I glorified you with all that I had, all of my effort, all of my energy, as much as I could give, as much as I knew how to give, I I gave. And I I believe that you feel that way too. And so let's go. Now, here's the deal. We're going to Ocean Springs because there are people right now sitting in their homes, There are people right now, maybe they're just waking up from what happened last night and they need Jesus. And we're going to reach them. We're not going in some sort of competitive field with other churches. That's not the way that it is. We're coming and we're partnering together. Look, for generations, people have been tilling the soils of of people's hearts and in a community. Come on, many of us, we've been doing this in Gulfport for many, many years. And come on, there's other people. We are joining together to reach people for Jesus. We truly believe that he is the greatest person that ever walked the face of the planet. He's our God, he's king, and that people need to hear about him. So that's why we're going. And I want you to be a part in any way that you can. Can. Some of you can't live there. You don't live there. You're not going to go there and launch the location, but you can pray and you can give. Amen. Amen. All right. I say, but before I get going, can you tell me one of those bottles of water? Very nice. (laughs) All right. So what do you believe about Jesus? Each each service, each sermon that we teach, we're kind of narrowing the conversation in, right? What do you believe about God? Sort of a big question, and and people can kind of take that in a a lot of different uh, 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 lanes or a a lot of different directions. But as we talk each week, do you guys kind of feel what's going on, how it's getting a little bit more narrow? 
It's getting a little bit more narrow. So, so last week we talked about uh, the reliability of the Bible in this first, this first month, this first week of the month, because, you know, everything that we believe comes from the Bible, everything that we believe. As, as Christians, we don't just make up our belief system. We don't, it doesn't change from one week to the next based upon our feelings or what we ate for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like it's based upon something that is constant and it's the word of God. And that's why we wanted to spend some time last week talking about the reliability of the Bible in a few different ways, uh, you know, the evidence that supports it. Today, I want to take the, take it the step forward into talking about Jesus, Jesus. He was uh, the most prominent person in history. Our calendar is split in half by his life, right? You know, he lived the most influential life. He was born in a village to a poor woman. He, he never graduated from college or high school, you know what I'm talking about, in the way that we think about it. He didn't have a degree on the wall necessarily. He, uh, I love this. He, he actually didn't travel 200 miles away from his hometown, so that's for all you people who grew up in Mississippi and you're like, I got to get out of here to do something with my life. You know, um, if Jesus can do something within 200 miles of his life, I think that you could do something two miles, 200 miles of you. Plus you got the internet, you know, just joking. But he, uh, he died when he was only 33 years old, didn't live a very long life. And, you know, but, but in the, the years that he lived, he changed the world. He died a criminal's death. He was buried in a borrowed grave. His followers all left whenever he died. Come on, y'all. He was such a great leader, wasn't he? Don't you want to be a leader like Jesus? You do, but I don't know if we do all the time because he was mocked, he was ridiculed. Come on, y'all. He was, he was, the people that were closest to him rejected him. His family, his friends, some of his followers, they said, well, he died. I guess that's it. They walked away, but he was resurrected on the third day. People saw him, eyewitness accounts of people who saw him, hundreds of people. And it was, you know, his life was just pro so profound. And most people agree that he existed. Most people agree, virtually everyone. Some people here and there, I don't believe that he existed. Uh, he did, he did. But people have a lot of ideas about who he was. A lot of ideas about who he was. Now the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give a, an account of Jesus you know, we, we can kind of read how he talked and the things that he claimed about himself. And as Christians, this is where the conversation, again, it continues to narrow. As we get into the word of God, we look at the validity of the Bible. We, we have to get down to what the Bible says and specifically what Jesus claimed. And the things that we're talking about are not really up for much debate at all. And this is where when people say that the Christianity or, or religions are, you know, it's kind of make it up as you go along or this relativistic thinking in our culture of buffet style belief systems, take this, not take this. I like this aspect of God. I don't like this aspect of God. We talked about, how, you know, understanding God in context. Y'all remember the incredible wheel with, you know, the really good graphic, you know what I'm talking about? The black and white graphic, just straight up. We did that on purpose. It's just just straight up, this is who God is. And you can't take any of his attributes out of context from the other, or you no longer have the God of the Bible. I like the merciful and gracious God, but I don't like the mean, wrathful God. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we pick and choose and it's like, you, you can't do that. Like it's the same thing with Jesus and what he said. You either believe all that Jesus said, or you believe none of it. It's, 
It's pretty extreme, like when you really look at it. And, and there's a belief system that says that Christianity is not exclusive. It's very inclusive. And although there is an aspect of that that is true, there is an aspect where it is completely exclusive, completely exclusive. That's not me just making that up. It's Jesus. He said it. And so what did he say? What were his claims, right? Well, we're going to get into that. But I think the first thing that's always interesting is this. What did other people say about Jesus? And what do other people say about Jesus? You know, we, we, we tend to, um, uh, uh, when it comes to understanding who someone is or knowing who someone is, a lot of times it's, it's actually, people don't know who someone is. They just know what everybody else says about them, right? Like, have you ever thought that you knew someone, but you never actually met them? No, nobody. Okay, it's cool. Maybe it's just me, right? Social media, maybe they're like, you know, they're like your favorite music star or whatever, and you, you, you follow them and you feel like you know them, but you've never actually talked to them. You know, and some people, they say a lot of things about Jesus, and then what happens is other people read what they say about Jesus, and they construct this belief system saying this is who Jesus is, but sometimes that can get a little bit weird, right? So I brought some examples of what that might look like. What do other people say about Jesus? Well, a well-known atheist, Friedrich Nietzsche, he said, it's too bad he died as a young man. If he would have lived longer, he would have become an atheist like me. Jesus might have been an atheist. <laughs> Rollo May is another well-known psychologist. He said, he said, Christ is the therapist for all humanity. So he's an atheist. He's a therapist. Um, I like this one. Fidel Castro, y'all know who he is. He said... I never saw a contradiction between the ideas that sustain me and the ideas of that symbol of that extraordinary figure of Jesus. <laughs> it's just not, it doesn't fit together. Mahatma Gandhi said, I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. He was a spiritual man. An atheist, a therapist, like a communist, I guess, a spiritual man. Buddha said he, uh, they say Jesus was simply an enlightened man and a wise teacher. So we have a wise teacher, which is really going to be funny later on whenever we kind of break this open. But Hinduism has many views of him, including Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher, and one of many gods. Many gods. There's just a bunch of gods everywhere, and so he was one of those. Islam says Jesus was born of a virgin, is to be revered, and is a great prophet, which we actually would agree with those things, right? Jehovah's Witness, they say he is a created being. Not that we agree with Islam, by the way, in case you... No, no, no. Uh, he is a created being, the archangel Michael. So he's an archangel. He's, he's, it's Michael. It's Jesus. It's all this. What? Judaism says Jesus was Mary's son, a respected miracle worker who was crucified on a cross. I agree with all those things. Not so much with the resurrection and the Messiah part. But Mormons say he is the polygamous half-brother of Lucifer and became one of many gods. <laughs> this is getting weird. Why? Because a lot of people say a lot of different things about who Jesus was or is. And in our culture of relativistic thinking, who's to say that he's not, right? Like if the doors are flung wide open, then, you know, why aren't these things true? Well, they're not true because of who Jesus said he was. And that's what we want to dig into today. One big thought, who did Jesus say that he was? 
Now, this is the claim that really sets Jesus apart from all the other options out there. This is the claim that really put Jesus on the cross. Jesus' claim that ultimately put him on the cross was his claim that he is God, that he is God. All the other main world religions, people didn't claim to be God. Here, Jesus makes a claim that sets him apart from the rest. And this is a claim that, that we must believe, a claim that we as Christians, if we say we are Christians, again, not taking God out of context, we can't take Jesus out of context, we can't create some other God, we have to go with what Jesus said about himself. And this is a main claim especially in the time. And we're gonna kind of break this open a little bit. We're gonna start in John chapter eight. And what's going on is Jesus, he would travel around and he would teach different groups of people. A lot of times he would spend his time in the temple and he would teach in the temple. And so you had these people who were well-versed in scripture. For, for us, it's the Old Testament. And they understood what the scripture said. They believed in it. They held to it. You had, you know, teachers of religious law. You had all of these, I mean, these, these people that, that were just high and mighty. And Jesus would walk in and he would begin to teach. And they would sit and they would listen, waiting for him to say something that they would disagree with. Maybe you came into church like that today. <laughs> You're just like, let me say something I can disagree with, you know? You'll find a lot of things, don't worry. And, um, you know, but we, we tend to listen like that nowadays. And I think that we could connect with the people in a big way. We're taught to be skeptical. We're taught to be like, I'm not gonna take it at face value. I've gotta run it through a bunch of filters. You know, it's actually one of the reasons that we are embracing this series and teaching like this so much is because, um, you know, stats say that young people are leaving church because their questions aren't getting answered. We live in the information age, yes, but we live in the age of contextualization. And who's ever contextualizing information the best wins. It just... It just makes sense. You know when, I mean, come on, y'all listen to the politicians, you know, people get interviewed. I just really think that, I just really believe what he's saying, right? Right? No historical context, you know? no, no math involved. Just, I really just think that, right? Because we're taught to be like that. We're taught that what we think is king. So we gotta, we gotta talk through these things. But these people sitting there listening to Jesus were the same way. They're breaking down what he's saying. And so Jesus is talking to the people in the temple. I want you to picture it. Come on, go there with me. Like picture what's going on. It's pretty tense. This man, Jesus, is saying a lot of things and he's messing, up with, he's messing with a lot of people's theology. In ch ch chapter eight, Jesus has, uh, by the way, I would really highly consider that you would uh, encourage you to go read John chapter eight, um, also John chapter 10, um, also John chapter one. Read those three chapters this week. I think it'd be great for you to kind of get a little bit more context about what we're talking about. But Jesus is teaching them and uh, they begin to kind of ask these questions and they start narrowing the conversation in to this point. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now for us today, a lot of you are waiting for the next scripture to come up because you're like, cool. What was the significance of this? Well, first off, Abraham lived a long time ago. All right, so there's just math. <laughs> Abraham lived a long time ago and Jesus is saying, I was there before Abraham was. 
Y'all remember whatever we talked about how God is, is all powerful, all knowing, right? All present. He's outside of time and space and all these things. Jesus is beginning to allude to the fact that he's not just who they see. He is something much greater. And he was before their beloved Abraham. And then he follows it up with these words, I am, to which most of us today are waiting for the punchline. I am tired. I am hungry. I am, what are you trying to say? What he was saying was alluding and, and really speaking of something that these people knew, what he, they knew what he was talking about. He was referring to himself as the great I am. In Exodus, we see God refer to himself as this. Uh, Moses is, is talking to God. Moses is, you know, God's trying to get him to go to Egypt and deliver the Israelites. And, and it says this, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God, what is your name? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? What's God's name? It's still kind of hard to wrap up at times. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He just says, I am. These two words that represent the fact that God's like, I just, I, I exist. Like I am just here, I am in control, I am all of it. You can't actually kind of wrap me up into a couple of words, I am. All throughout scripture, you see God refer to himself as, the, as I am. And Jesus is beginning to unite himself with this terminology. This was a big deal. So much so that people, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus because of what he said. And we'll kind of break open more of the significance of this as we move forward. We look forward to this. the second examples in John 10, very similar setting. Jesus in the temple, people all around him, they gather together in verse 22. It's at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at, at uh, Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Maybe you felt like that in your own prayers at times, right? Like, God, why don't you just tell me? Just tell me the answer, Lord. Uh, I was talking to somebody a few months ago and it was like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I wish that he would just write it down on a piece of paper and give it to me and that way I could just do, you know what I'm saying? Take all the mystery out. There's always mystery. And the Jewish people are like, Jesus, you're hinting around about a lot of things. Are you saying that you're the Christ? Are you saying that you're, you're the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the unique chosen one? Are you saying that you're him? And this is a big moment. And I think this is a defining line in this story of who Jesus was and who he said he, said he is and in how it plays out. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you don't believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. The works that I do in my father's name, you don't believe. Some people want proof. I want proof. I need proof. I need like the, the tangible thing that I can put my hand on to believe all this stuff. Jesus was standing in front of them 
doing these incredible things. They're seeing blind eyes open. They're seeing people come back to life. They're seeing all these crazy things. He's doing all these works. And yet there still is this doubt, which I think speaks to us, y'all, that sometimes we're reaching out. We want some sort of proof. We want some sort of thing because we feel like at that point we can plant our feet on it and just know. But I'm telling you, it's not like that. It's, it's not like that. So people, they search for a sign and a wonder. They seek for all these, these things. And at the end of the day, there's even people that have seen them and they still don't believe. Y'all, I was just listening to a pastor who, um, he traveled overseas and some place I can't even pronounce, honestly, people that had never heard the gospel before. They never heard about Jesus. Clean slate. And he's out there and he, and he begins to preach. The last guy that went out there got chased out of town with literally people were throwing rocks at him and chasing him down with sticks. Like one of those areas. He goes and his translator said that his, the translator said, I was actually very afraid going to this area because of last time that we went, you know? And so he goes, he didn't know it till after he was done, which is the funny part. You know, the translator didn't tell him before. <laughs> Thanks. But anyway, they go back and He's, he's teaching these people and they believe, but there's people all over the place that are sick. There's disease. There's, there's people where their backs are messed up and they're, you know, cancer, all this stuff's going on. I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere. And he, he's there, and, and this is the thing. He said, I actually am not really a believer in miracles. I, I haven't historically, that's not really been my theology. He said, but, but I'm there. And he's like, the more I read, I, I, I can't discount that, they're real, they're there. I don't see a time where they're supposed to end biblically. And so he's out there and then he begins to pray. He's like, God, Lord, these people, they, they need miracles. And, and this guy is not some sort of televangelist either, by the way, but um, he's out there and he genuinely just says, if, if you're sick, he said, I wanna pray that God would heal you. And they begin to come up and he's like, God, I've preached the gospel. I've preached your power. He's like, but Lord, I believe that, like, God, would you, would you show them your power? And he began to pray and he said, every single person that he prayed for was healed. Every single person. It's amazing. And some of you are like, you're, 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 right now you're going, mm, yeah. You know, that's what he did. The very man that prayed for them, this just happened a few weeks ago. At the end of it, he was like, yeah, but how do I actually know? He's like these two little brother and sister, they were both deaf and, and he prayed over them, they both can hear. And he was sitting there going like, were they really deaf? Like what we would do, right? Come on, like, were they? No, literally so much so that he sent somebody back the next day and said, no, I want clarification. Like we're... They're little kids. Like, were they actually deaf, right? And they came in, they're like, no, they were deaf their whole life. They heard for the first time yesterday. You know, incredible things, right? So I just, I just pause there to say that even here, he's like, the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. He says, because my sheep hear my voice and they know it's me. There's an element of knowing God Knowing who Jesus is, having a revelation of who he is that you can't quite explain. Whenever a shepherd in these days would call the sheep in from the pasture, he'd call them by name and they would know, they'd know his voice and they'd come to him. 
And Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd in this, in this passage of scripture. I'm the good shepherd. And those that know my voice, they know my voice. And they respond. But verse 28, he goes on. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will, will snatch them out of my hand. Give them eternal life. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. These, what Jesus is saying, I give eternal life. My father, he's using these terms. He's building himself up to this pinnacle moment, verse 30, where he finally says this, I and the father are one. One. One in essence and in nature, not a derivative of, not some sort of other new, whatever, like literally, I'm God. And at that moment, I believe that what Jesus said just echoed through the temple. I believe for a moment it was quiet, just for a moment, where people gasp. And they're like, not only did he say it once, but he's confirmed it now. Next scripture says in verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Side note, was there just a pile of stones ready to be used at any moment that someone sensed any sort of like blasphemous comment where they're just like, did he just, uh, <laughs> he did, did he, did, no, he did, oh, he sneezed, okay, all right, all right, let's put that pride back, you know, ready to stone at any moment, man. Now, in case you don't know what stoning is, stoning is whenever they take rocks and they throw them at people's head, at somebody's head until they die. They break their bones, they, it's, it's, they get, they're mutilated. It is not something that's just, oh, toss a little pebble at someone. It's violence. And the people of Israel, they did this. And of course, this still happens today in some areas of the, of the world. But they, not only that, they did it, y'all, they did it in church. <laughs> they did it in the temple. Man, could y'all imagine? That'd be awkward. I don't know that many of you would come back next week. Sorry. I just... I think I'm going to find another place to worship. <laughs> They've reinstituted stoning. It's kind of strange. We're not doing that. But this was a reality in this moment. They picked up stones to stone Jesus. And now the next scripture that we read, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that this was said in a low tone, like we would watch one of the stories of Jesus where he's sitting on a rock with his, his leg lightly lifted and he says, I have shown you many good works from my father. No, no, no. Jesus is yelling this. Go ahead and put the scripture up. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Which one? Was it the blind eyes coming open? Was it the, the deaf ears I could hear? Was it, was it all of these? One, was it because I did it on the Sabbath? Like, which, which part of it are you going to stone me for? Well, there wasn't really much about that, actually. The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you... Being a man, make yourself God. That's why we want to kill you. 
because you're making yourself God. You are elevating yourself out of just a teacher, out of just a prophet, out of just a really good person. And you're saying that you're God. And we're not going to have it. We're not going to have it. Blasphemy. I think that that this tone, that this situation is still happening in our world today. There's still people who refuse to, to see Jesus as Lord. Some are okay with Savior, but they don't understand that he's either Lord and Savior or he's nothing at all. And to be Savior, this must be true, that he is God. J. Oswald Sanders says this. He said this about Jesus. If Jesus is not God, then there is no Christianity. And we who worship him are nothing more than idolaters. Conversely, he is God. Those who say he was merely a good man or even the best of men are blasphemers. More serious still, if he is not God, then he is a blasphemer in the fullest extent of the word. If he is not God, he is not even good. This is a moment of distinction right here. Either the Jews are blaspheming God or Jesus is. There's no in the middle, right? There's not a person standing between these two groups of people and saying, well, no, hey guys, let's calm down. Let's just calm down. Jesus, now you think that you're God and that's good for you and we're, we're happy for you. And now the Jewish people over here, you don't think he's God and that's good. That's your prerogative, right? Like everyone, we can all believe and still remain in unity, right? No, it's not the case. This is divisive. This is, this is something that matters. You know, we've been talking through this series about things, a lot of, a lot of different things. And, and, and honestly, you can't really take away any of the things that we've talked about. You know, you, you can't take away the, fa- the fact that God exists. You can't take, take away the fact that God is sovereign. You can't take away the fact that God is all consuming. He's all knowing, he's all power. You can't take these things away. And here we are at another, another, another dividing line where it's like Jesus is either God or he's just crazy. He's a liar. And the Jewish people, they knew the significance of what he was saying. He was saying, I am who was, who is, and who is to come. I was there in the beginning with God because I am God. I'm with him now. I am him. He was combining all of it together and it was just, just blowing people's mind. It was blowing up their theology. He said, I'm all knowing, I'm all powerful, I'm sinless, I'm eternal. And the only way to eternal life, everything that he said just continued to narrow the way to eternal life. He said he had the power to forgive sin. What? All authority on heaven and on earth had been given to him. Why? Because he's God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. None of what we believe matters if these words aren't true. The resurrection is false. The reason that we're gathered here together is lost. There's no point. 
Corinthians talks about, Paul says in Corinthians that if the resurrection didn't happen, that we're to be pitied. This is actually really a sad, sad gathering. Because y'all, I'm not interested in gathering together just to have a good moral talk. Just to live a, a few good years on this life and then go into nothing. Pascal's wager of the reality that if, if you're lost and you don't believe in Jesus and, and well, if you live your life and I live mine and God's not real, well, hey, at least I live a good, good life. And, and, but if it's the other way around, then you're to be pitied. Well, that might have a certain amount of usefulness, but at some point, it's got to be more than that. And sometimes it's, at some point, it's got to be more than just fire insurance. It's got to be more than just this thing that gets you through a tough season. Either Jesus is God and he's worthy to be worshiped and praised and submitted and surrendered to and, 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 and revered or he's nothing. It's pointless. Let's eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow we die. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. Many of you have heard this. It's a very famous statement. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg. That's a joke. Or he would be the devil of hell. You must make, take your choice. Either this was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. All these other religions that want to paint Jesus in a, in a certain light. Some of the Pharisees had the same situation where they didn't want to say certain things about Jesus because the people loved him, so they kind of backed off. We can't make, like, make it fit. We can't make all the words of Jesus non-offensive and dance and tiptoe and be like, oh, you know, well, he, he loves you. Yes, he died for you. That's good. But also, he has set the bar so high. He has said certain things that at some point, Christians, you must believe. If you're a skeptic, if you're far from God in this place today, at some point, there comes a moment where the intellect runs out and you can't just, you can't make all the, the things work to such a place that you say, I'm gonna surrender all that I am to God because I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, mathematically and all these other things, at some point, it's, there's this gap. We've established, established that over the last few weeks, that there's, a, there's mystery, there's a gap in everyone's belief system. Jesus didn't leave there to be middle ground in this conversation. He either is or he isn't. Now, over this series, again, we've been very broad. We're getting more specific as we go. And we've asked a lot of questions. We've talked about who God is. We've talked about now who Jesus said that he is. And also we've talked about uh, what other people say. And you guys hear a lot of this. What do other people say? But I want to ask you as we close a specific question. And it's this. Who do you say that Jesus is? You. Not me. Not your spouse. Not your parents. You. Jesus asked the same question to his disciples. 
In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Who do, what's the talk of the town? Where are people at? Where are they coming at? What are they saying about me? Well, they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Okay, that's cool. And in this place today, we could ask them, man, what are people saying? But then Jesus asked this next question. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Specifically, Jesus looking at you in the face right now. Who do you say that I am? Where does your faith, where does your trust, where does your belief lie? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter got it right. He said it right. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're him and you're before us right now. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. All of us, we're gonna walk this life out. We're gonna try to figure things out. We're gonna get to a moment where there's this thing where flesh and blood just can't, it can't go. The things of God are spiritual. They're supernatural. And the natural mind can only trek so far before it runs out of gas. And there's gotta be a revelation of who Jesus is. And I think it's a simple prayer of brokenness and a, a contrite heart that God does not deny. And it, it sounds like this. If you're struggling today, God, I don't really have it figured out and I don't know all the answers, but Lord, I surrender my heart and I submit myself to you. God, would you reveal yourself to me? Holding nothing back and allowing him to do what only he can do in your life. I can come up here and I can teach the best that I know how and I can frame it up in a lot of different thoughts. But at the end of the day, it is you and it is Jesus in a room all by yourself. So I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to him, not to me. I believe that God is drawing you to him in such a spectrum. Some of you for the first time, for the very first time, you've never named the name of Jesus and said that he is Lord, but today you wanna do that. For others of you, you, you did when you were little or you did a long time ago, or maybe you do every night before you go to bed, but you get up the next day and it's just not real. It's not happening. It's not changing anything. There's no power in it. Let's come humbly before God right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here and you're far from him, you wanna surrender your life to him, just say something like this. Say, God, I need you. I'm surrendered to you. All that I have, all that I am is yours. I believe in Jesus, that he is God, that he came to this earth. He died for me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was risen again. And I believe that he's coming back again. God, I repent of my sin. I repent of the way that I've, I've talked and I've acted and I know that it's against who you are. And Father, I, right now I repent. I say that I'm wrong. But God, I thank you for Jesus that I can now put on his right standing, his righteousness and be justified and be, be made righteous 
in his sight because of what Jesus has done on the cross. God, I give you my life. I give you all that I am to live a life for your glory, for your honor. I'll live for you to the day that I die. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, Northwood fam. God is good, right? God is good. Let's give it up for what he's done in the place this morning. Hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport campus. But hey, uh, some of you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Jordan. Um, God got a hold of your hearts this morning. God got a hold of your life. And your life is forever changed based on the decision you just made. And it's awesome. Don't, don't ever forget this day. Um, and here's what I want to help you do. Because really what just happened is you started a journey. And I want to help you to take your next steps on that journey. And here's the way that I would like to connect with you. It's with that what's next card that Pastor Jordan mentioned back at the beginning of the service. If you could go ahead and fill that out for me um, and drop it off of one of two ways, either right back here at our next steps area. You got some friendly people back there who would love to meet you. They got a little gift for you. Um, Or also you can drop it off in one of the white buckets as you leave. But here's what I'm going to do with that when I get that tomorrow morning when I get to work. I'm going to contact you text, phone call, email, whatever you prefer. I'm not going to spam you or anything, all right? I'm not going to bother you, pester you, but I just want to reach out to you, and, and uh, if you have any questions or uh, stuff like that, I want to help you to take your next step with God, because it's so vitally important that you don't just stop right here, okay? And also, if you're new, same thing, fill that card out. Um, even if you've been here for a few weeks and you just haven't connected with us yet, I want to do the same thing for you and get in touch with you. You can turn it in uh, one of the same two ways, um, right back there, the next steps area, or or in a white bucket as you leave. Um, also, hey guys, uh, I don't want to um, leave here this morning without mentioning, you know, worship doesn't stop right now. It doesn't end with music. It doesn't end with preaching. Uh, one of our acts of worship is through giving. It's not just something that we do. It's something that we get to do. We get to partner with other people through giving to further the kingdom of God. So there's four ways you can do that. They're on, it's right there on the screen behind me. Also, may, maybe you walked um, in with something heavy on your heart this morning. Something's weighing you down. Something uh, maybe you just can't, you don't know, quite know how to verbalize to God. And uh, th- that's why we got a prayer team. There's some amazing folks that, hey, they're going to be standing right up here at the platform when we dismiss. Just walk right up to them, okay? They're not going to bite you, all right? They're friendly people. They're people that we trust. Everything you say to them is confidential. So if there's anything at all that you want just to agree with someone in prayer over, just walk right up to one of them right after we dismiss. Sound good? All right. Hey, go ahead and stand up. We're going to get ready to go. I got a couple other things left to mention to you that I want you guys to be aware of. First, next Sunday, um, really awesome, uh, 9 to 12-year-olds. If you got a 9 to 12-year-old child, they're going to be right here in the auditorium with us, which is super exciting for me personally because I got a 10-year-old daughter. I love when she gets to sit next to me during worship service. So just remember that as parents, 9 to 12-year-olds will be with us next week. And then also this weekend, this Friday and Saturday, is our men's camp out. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so, uh, so by doing a little bit of mathematical deduction, that would mean that the deadline to sign up is approaching pretty rapidly. So go ahead and do that. The info is on the screen behind me. Get signed up. Come on out and have some good manly fun, whatever that's going to mean. It's going to be great. Uh, so don't procrastinate too long, okay, guys? That's all I got for you, though. Make sure you grab an info guide on the way out. There's more stuff going on this month around NC. They're out in the stands and the lobbies. You guys have a great week. We'll see you later.